Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Maim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachmim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I thank you for this Yom Kippur, for this Day of Atonement, where you have allowed us opportunity to gather together as Mishpacha in a holy convocation to focus upon you, upon your move, and upon what you are doing and want to do in our lives. Father, I thank you for the reality of the gift of your mercy and your grace renewed, not just once a year, but each and every single day that we are alive, that we have the opportunity to uh, enter into your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy. We have the opportunity to take full and total uh, benefit from the perfect and spotless atonement given by Yeshua Mashiach. Father, I pray that as we open your word today that you speak into our hearts and our lives, that it be your word spoken, your heart felt, and nothing of me will be involved except that which you have ordained for this purpose. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen and Amen. Uh, as we have said, and, and if you were here last night or you, you listened to the, the video last night, um, we are right now in the middle of the, the High Holy Days. Um, the Lord put on my heart a special series. I don't usually do sermon series, as even doing it's a little weird to me, but uh, I, the Lord put on my heart a special sermon series for the Moedim, the Fall Moedim, uh, the appointed days uh, called The Call. And uh, each of the Moedim has a specific direction of talking about that call. With Rosh Hashanah, it was the call to repentance. With Yom Kippur, it's the call to sanctification. It's the call to kingdom living. So today we will pick up with where we left off last night. Last night we dealt with the call to sanctification, to holiness, right? Sanctification is the process by which we are becoming holy. Holiness is that we are set, not holiness like, you know, going nuts, but holiness uh, in the sense of being holy, uh, the, the reality of holiness is that holy means we are set apart for God. Uh, so it's a very important reality because if you're bought by the blood of the Lamb, if you are a believer in Yeshua Mashiach, you are set apart righteous and holy, whether you like it or not. That is exactly what Messiah did for you, but it wasn't anything new. It wasn't like just out of the blue one day, the Lord went, I know what this world's missing, atonement, forgiveness, and holiness. No, it wasn't at all anything new. It was something commanded in the Torah over and over and over and over and over again. The Lord says, you are to be holy because I, your God, am holy. Over and over again. That is the finite, you know, when your parents, your parents tell you to do something, you don't want to do it, and you ask, why? And they go, because I told you so, right? When the Lord says, because I am your God, or I, your God, am holy, that is God saying, because I told you so. So when he says, you are to be holy, it's because he told you so. You don't need to know why. You just need to know he said he told you to. So the beauty about holiness is that it is a reality of life that takes us into a deeper place with the Lord. Right? The Torah tells us that the presence of God, the Shekhinah, the divine glory of the Lord, cannot reside in the midst of sin. Sin is a demarcation of a lack of holiness. If our lives are fallen, if our lives are constantly falling back into sin over and over and over again, whatever it is, I mean, think about your life, pick one out, anyone, I don't even care which one, there's probably three of them in the last 10 minutes. Uh, but the reality is we could pick any of them, any single one of those is a separation 
in our holiness and our devotedness, our devoutness to God. And so it's important that we recognize this reality that God has given us to uh, a call to holiness. So this morning, I want to actually focus, oddly enough, on the book of Ephesians. I don't mean like a chapter. We're going to fly through the entire book of Ephesians. Um, we couldn't do the, the, the whole book in our Bible study in less than six months, but somehow I'm going to manage to do it right now in this message. But I want to deal with Ephesians because Ephesians is Paul calling to those in Ephesus, but in particular those in the body of Messiah. This is a grander reality. It's a call to holiness. It's a call to sanctification. It's a call to the reality of walking faithfully in the new life we have been given in Messiah. And so if you have your scriptures, open up to Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, who has blessed us with every special, uh, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places uh, in Messiah. He chose us in the Messiah before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Let's stop right there. He has chosen you in Messiah before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. Let that sink in for a moment. He didn't just choose Adam and Eve. He didn't just choose Noah. He didn't just choose Moses or David or uh, Solomon or Ezekiel or Isaiah or Daniel or uh, Paul or Peter or Thomas or any. He chose you. Each and every one of us, he chose us in Messiah before the foundations of the earth. And not just each of us standing here today, or in this case, sitting here today, but every single person that has ever breathed the breath of life whether they believe in Yeshua's sacrifice for atonement or not, he chose each and every one of us in Messiah before the foundations of the earth. Now, there's a lot of uh, ideas out there about things like predestination and so on. I don't believe in predestination, at least not in the sense that God predestined some for salvation because what they never talk about is on the flip side of that, that means God also predestined some for damnation. And that's just not biblical. We can't believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever may call upon him can have eternal life if we believe that there's only certain ones he decided would call upon him. He gave salvation freely for all, which means this call to holiness is given freely to all. And so when we look at that reality, nobody ever talks about the flip side of predestination is predestination. You're either predestined for heaven or predestined for hell. And I think that, uh, that, that there's a lot of people that are going to be upset when they get to heaven and realize that dude they thought was predestined for hell is here too. What in the world's going on? So keep that in mind. He chose you in Messiah before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Messiah Yeshua in keeping with the good pleasure of his will to the glorious praise of his grace with which he favored us through the one he loves. Notice that word predestination or predestined pops up again. But it's not he's predestined this for this and this for that. He has predestined all who carry the breath of life for salvation. All right? You got to grasp that. You got to hold on to that. You got to uh, uh, realize that. Verse 7 In him, we have redemption through his blood, the removal of trespasses, in keeping with the richness of his grace that he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, in keeping with the good pleasure that he planned in Messiah. The plan of the fullness of times is to bring all things together in Messiah, both things in heaven and things on earth, all in him. 
In him we also were, are cho- were chosen, predestined according to his plan, that he uh, keeps working out all things according to the purpose of his will, so that we who were first to put our hope in Messiah might be for his glorious praise. Now, how do we become for his glorious praise? It's not just by accepting it and living out salvation. It's not by repeat after me and say these words and then go about our lives as normal. The Word of God tells us that our salvation is known by the fruit we produce. The Lord rejoices in each and every one of us accepting Yeshua, but He rejoices more when we who have accepted Yeshua bring Yeshua to others. When we produce more fruit. Producing fruit is a key element to holiness. Israel was called out to be a light to the nations. The whole purpose was that Israel would lead all of the world to salvation, or in particular, lead all the world to faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Later, we know Messiah to have come through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the seed of promise, and in him all the nations would be blessed. And the reality is you and I are a part of that. Israel as a whole, we fell miserably at being a light to the nations. You and I have the chance because now we're not just talking about a tent in the wilderness that the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the glory of God resides on that people can see and they have to see it from a distance and we can't even go in it. But instead, we're talking about that presence, the Shekinah, the divine glory is now in our hearts and our lives. And if the high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur over and over and over again, up to five times on Yom Kippur, in order to make atonement for Israel and for himself and the priesthood and the tabernacle itself and the land, if he had to go into the Holy of Holies over and over and over again, in order to be deemed righteous and holy, to be able to have the presence of God just reside in a tent in the middle of the people of Israel, how much more expectation does the Lord have for you and I to walk in faithfulness with him? and holiness with Him, and righteousness with Him. How much more expectation does He have in our life with the reality that He has given us the true atonement of Messiah Yeshua? Not just an offering that's sprinkled on a piece of furniture in a tent so that hopefully it rolls our sins forward to next year. That we just hope and pray that the priest comes back out in one piece. That his life wasn't so jacked up that you know, none of us got atonement. No, we have the perfect priest. Messiah Yeshua, who became our high priest, or Kohen Gadol in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 13, after you heard the message of truth, the good news of your salvation, and when you put your trust in him, you were sealed with the promised Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. He is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of his possession to his glorious praise. That Ruach HaKodesh, that Holy Spirit, is the presence of God. It resides within us. It is what leads our foot, or at least should be, what leads our footsteps, what guides our mouths, what keeps us out of trouble, what keeps us from hurting other people. Look, truth be told, as fallen humanity, we're naturally going to be miserable at loving our neighbor as ourself. Just the reality about it. I'm pretty sure any of you can look around your neighborhood and there's at least one person that drives you nuts. But you're commanded to love them as yourself. You're commanded to love them with the love that Messiah has given us. And the only way we can do that is by relying on the Ruach HaKodesh. And the only way that we can truly rely on the Ruach HaKodesh is by living in the sanctity and holiness that God has given us. And He's given us that, not for our own sake, but for the world around us. 
Verse 1 of chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. At that time you walked in the way of this world and conformity to the ruler of the domain of the air, the ruler of the spirit who is now operating in the sons of disobedience, a.k.a. Satan. We too all lived among them in the cravings of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and the mind. By nature we were children of wrath, just like the others. But God was rich in mercy because of His great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Messiah. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places of Messiah Yeshua to show in the Alam Haba, the world to come, the measureless richness of his grace and kindness toward us and in Messiah Yeshua. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not for yourselves, it is a gift of God. It is not based on deeds so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua, the good deeds which God prepared beforehand so we might walk in him. Yeshua says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Those commands were inspired by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, who inspired the hand of the uh, authors of the Bible. Those commands didn't suddenly change just because Messiah came. Those commands were breathed into existence by the love of God, by the voice of God. And the reality is, part of living a holy life is honoring the commands of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that that's part of salvation, because it's not. Contrary to that, it's actually because of salvation. We can look at the history of Israel and see that Israel failed miserably. They were unable to keep the commandments by any means whatsoever. Yet, the Lord still gave them to Israel. And through Israel, He gives us the Messiah so that we now have that ability, that capability to honor His Word. You were dead in trespasses and your trespasses and sins. James says that sin is the transgression of the law. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. In order to be righteous, that means that our sins have to be washed away. In order to be holy, that means that we have to no longer be striving to live in sin. And the only way we can do that is by the power and the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. And not for your sake and my sake, but for that of everyone we may come into contact with. We are to be a praise to the Lord. We are to be something He can take praise in, that He can be excited for. The reality is, is he loves his creation more than we could ever imagine. And yet as his creation, we constantly step on his toes. We constantly kick him. We constantly walk away from him. And we constantly, as believers, disregard the work of redemption, salvation, and righteousness that he has given us that we may be holy and sanctified in him. Verse 19 of chapter 2, So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. You have been built on the foundation made up of the emissaries and prophets and with Messiah Yeshua himself being the cornerstone. In him the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple for the Lord. In him you also are being built together into God's dwelling place in the Ruach. Why is this idea of the call to sanctification so important? Because as believers in Messiah, we are the tabernacle, the temple, the dwelling place of the presence of the Lord. And His presence cannot reside in the midst of sin. And more than that, His presence cannot be overwhelmed by sin in our lives so that others cannot find Him. Like we said last night, the major reality of being a believer is not 
our salvation, but instead leading others to salvation. If you aren't being fed, it's time to feed into others. The Lord gave us the gift of salvation so that we could be made righteous and holy in His kingdom so that we can bring His kingdom to others and impact others' lives. Holiness is one of the most integral parts of faith in Him. This entire book of Ephesians is a call to return or to remain in holiness. It is a call to recognize that we are a part of the tabernacle, the temple of God, that we are the dwelling place of the presence of God, of the Ruach HaKodesh. And if we want to see His Spirit move in mighty and powerful ways, we have to be willing to set aside our own earthly desires and seek after the desires of God's own heart instead because we are to be set apart, righteous and holy. Chapter 4, verse 17 says, So I tell you this, indeed, I insist on it in the Lord. Walk no longer as the pagans do, stumbling around in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance in them due to the hardness of their heart. Since they are past feeling, they have turned themselves over to indecency for the patience of every kind of immorality with greed for more. However, you did not learn Messiah in this way. If indeed you have heard him and were taught in him as the truth is in Yeshua, with respect to your former lifestyle, you are to lay aside the old self corrupted by its deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You cannot be recreated in the image and likeness of God, restored in the image we were originally created in, and also want to be like the world around us. Unfortunately for most of the body of Messiah today, it is almost entirely indistinguishable those that are set apart righteous and holy and those that are the enemies. It is almost entirely indistinguishable to tell the difference between believers and the world around us. We have for some reason, rather than grasping that we have been called to be set apart righteous and holy, we have maintained the mentality that it is our job to placate the world around us so they feel more comfortable with the message we bring. But our lives say the message we bring is that there's no requirement for change whatsoever. But the one thing God has called us to over and over and over again is change. We are to be made new. You can't be made new and still be the old self. It doesn't work that way. How, excuse me, verse 20. However, you did not learn Messiah in this way if indeed you have heard him and were taught in him as the truth is in Yeshua with respect to your former lifestyle, you were to lay aside the old self corrupted by its deceitful desires, be renewed in spirit of your mind and put on the new self created to be like God in, truth, in true righteousness and holiness. You were created to be sanctified, to be holy. You have now been recreated by the blood atonement of Messiah to be sanctified, to be holy. We cannot cast that away. As a matter of fact, Hebrews condemns us five different times. Condemns a strong word. Five different times Hebrews reminds us, it's a little better. Hebrews reminds us, do not walk away from Messiah. Do not, what's often called in the world around us, backslide. Five times we're warned about that. I don't think he would have wasted the effort of writing those words five different times and each uh, uh, reminder becoming more and more strong of language if it wasn't a possibility. 
as freely as salvation was given, it is freely ours to live in or to walk away from. But if we are truly to be saved, if we are truly saved, we must walk in the righteousness and holiness that he has brought us into. And if we do not, we need to get out of the way. Chapter 5, verse 1. Maybe. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God. Again, there's that image. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And walk in love just as Messiah also loved us and gave himself up for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a, fragment of, for a fragrant aroma. But uh, sexual immorality and any impurity of, or greed, don't even let these be mentioned among you as is proper for Kedoshim. To take that a step further. Not only are we as Kedoshim, as holy ones, as Zedekim, as righteous ones, as a community as a kehilah, as a community, a mishpacha, a family, not to let these things be a part of our lives, not to let it mingle within us, not to let that spirit become a part of what's going on. But you better believe we better not be putting on a show in here while letting the world around us see what we're not trying to show everyone else in here. Because the quickest thing to destroy the image and likeness of our uh, creator that we have been restored to and the message of salvation that brings that restoration is when they see that our lives and our words do not match up. If we don't truly walk in the power and anointing that is given to us, which we can only walk in if we are walking in the leading of God in holiness, the world around us will write off everything we have to say because it will mean nothing to anyone. Obscene course and stupid talk are also out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Know for certain that no immoral, indecent, or greedy person who is really an idol worshiper at heart has any inheritance in the kingdom of Messiah and God. We go on to chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle, as Joel said earlier, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The enemy wants to demolish your witness because he knows that the Lord wants to use you to rip others away from his grip. He wants to use what the Lord has done in your life, what He has brought you through, what He has brought you from, and where He has brought you to, to impact the lives of anyone and everyone He puts in your path. I believe fervently in divine appointments, that the Lord sets divine appointments in our paths, opportunities that He has prescribed and ordained for us to minister to others. I believe He gives us divine appointments day in and day out. It's a matter of whether our eyes are open and our spirits are receptive to what He is doing as to whether or not we walk faithfully in those appointments. But the Lord gives us those divine appointments that we can impact others' lives. He has not called us to waste our time warming seats in a congregation. He has not called us to waste our times reading the Bible day in and day out, but not doing anything with what the Lord is saying to us. He has not called us to waste our time being bought by the blood of the Lamb, being overcome by the Ruach HaKodesh, being filled with the dwelling of His presence so that we can hoard it and keep it to ourselves and not let anyone else find their way into the kingdom of God. 
He has called us to be righteous and holy. He has anointed us with the blood of the Lamb so that we can be righteous and holy, so that this world around us can find the hope that you and I carry, so that they can find their way into the kingdom of God. It is absolutely necessary that we take to heart that the presence of God dwells in us, and being His presence cannot dwell among sin, we must be constantly seeking the Lord to cleanse our lives, to rid us of any indecent thing. Sin, as I've said before, my baseline definition of sin is anything that we do, anything in our lives that hinders our relationship with the Lord. Anything that we do that damages our image and likeness that we were created in. Anything that we do that makes others around us not be able to see the presence of the Lord in our lives. I believe fervently that we live in a very interesting time period. We believe we live in what I believe to be the beginnings of the end of days. I believe that we are awaiting what the scripture calls the latter rain outpouring. And I had a realization recently. As Messianic Judaism, we've been so focused on Shavuot as the the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh and seeing the, the presence of the Lord and the voice of the Lord at Mount Sinai and the outpouring in Acts 2 on Shavuot. We've been so focused on that that each and every year as Shavuot rolls around, all of our attention is in, let's seek revival now because this is when it happened before. Let's seek revival now. Uh, every year as Shavuot comes around, don't get me wrong, that's, that's not a bad thing. We should seek revival all the time. But I had a realization recently. We believe that each of the Moedim, each of the appointed days are prophetic, right? Bottom line. We believe that the spring feast, Pesach, first fruits, Shavuot, have been fulfilled with the first coming of Messiah. We're awaiting for the fulfillment of the fall feasts and the second coming of Messiah. When we talk about rains, we talk about early, early rains and latter rains. We talk about the seasonal concept. Now, theoretically and realistically in, in Israel, the early rains really start in the, the late fall and the latter rains come in the late spring, right before the harvest. But I believe that the Lord is showing us a little something here in that concept of latter-day rains. I believe that this season of the high holy days is a time where we're already focused on repentance. We're already focused on seeking His face. We should also be focused on the latter rain outpourings, the latter rain revival. Because we've put every ounce of energy we have in the spring feast or particularly Shavuot for that revival while ignoring the fact that we all recognize those have already been fulfilled and there's fulfillment still waiting for the fall feasts. You and I are the dwelling place of the house of God which means His Ruach HaKodesh is a part of our lives. We must walk in the revival of which we have been birthed in. If you are bought by the blood of the Lamb, you are part of that revival. We don't have to cry out for a new revival because there's only ever been one revival. It began in Acts 2 and it has continued since. We have failed to walk in it. But it didn't stop. You want to see revival break out in these days? You want to see what I believe is necessary for uh, the world that we live in to see the truth of salvation, which is the power and presence of God manifesting in signs and wonders out of our lives. You think Yeshua wasted his time and his words by saying that we could do even greater things than he when the comforter comes? Not in the least. The days we live in are the days he was speaking of when he said that. I fervently believe it. 
Because in those days when people saw what the disciples were doing, what Yeshua was doing, their hearts were turned. And these days, the problem is our lives don't match up with what we're saying. This world doesn't care about finite truth. This world doesn't believe that there's a finite truth. So no matter what you and I believe about truth, it doesn't matter to anybody outside. What they do believe in is seeing God in their midst. What they want to see is seeing God in their midst. What they desire to see is to see God in their midst. They might, may not even know it yet. We spend so much time focused on preaching and condemning people's sins and trying to cast people down because they're not as good as we are. Because they don't worship like we do. Because they don't go to services as often as we do. Because they don't do this or they don't do that or they're you know, so focused on chasing their dream jobs or finances or whatever else that they've just completely shoved God to the back burner. But the reality is, is the world around us is the way it is because we as the body of Messiah have made the message of Messiah look so useless. Because we preach it, but we don't live it. He has called us to be holy, righteous, set apart, anointed by Him. But we don't walk in that anointing. We don't live in that anointing. We want to see people come to salvation, but we don't actually want to do our part. We've relied on the shepherd of the congregation to be the evangelist. But the reality is, is the Lord has given us a great commission to all believers. And the only way we fulfill that great commission is by being holy and sanctified so that the presence of the Lord resides in our lives. His Ruach HaKodesh, His Holy Spirit flows through us and people see the power and might of God in our lives. You'd be surprised how powerful it is to somebody when they see the presence of God flow through us in a public atmosphere. When the Lord puts it on your heart to pray for somebody in the grocery store and you just lay hands on them and pray for them and watch as the Lord moves. You'd be surprised how something as simple as giving of what little we have to impact somebody else's life who has less will change their lives. You'd be surprised how something as simple as our testimony and the garbage pits that God has dragged us out of in salvation will impact somebody else's life who finds themselves in the exact same pit we came out of. You'd be surprised how much God wants to use you and I on a daily basis for His will, for His purpose, and for His kingdom. If we would just get the heck out of His way, if we would just let Him work and move in us, how often do we find ourselves in worship and we're too afraid to put our arms up because somebody might think it's weird? How often we find ourselves in, uh, I always love it when we go to like Zaxby's and they're playing uh, worship music. Um, I got no qualms at all about singing with it. Like, if I know the song, I've got no issues at all. With, you know what, let's, let's start a worship service here. They're playing it, there's a purpose to it, let's have fun with it, right? Why waste these opportunities? We spend so much time worrying about leading people to salvation inside this building and inside our churches and Messianic synagogues around the globe. What about all the people out there that aren't coming here? Cool, we get a few people that trickle in here and there. That's awesome. What about the hundreds of thousands out there that need to see the message in our lives? And trust me, we live in a day and age where people need to see it before they hear it. Get your life right. 
recognize who we have been called to be because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler, against the powers, against the worldly forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places because since the foundations of creation, the enemy has been trying to destroy the image and likeness that you and I were created in so that this world is destroyed along with him. Verse 14, stand firm then. Buckle the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness. Strap up your feet in readiness with the good news of shalom. Above all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Ruach on every occasion. Not pray in the Ruach when you're in synagogue. Not pray in the Ruach when you're at church. Not pray in the Ruach when you're in a prayer meeting. Pray in the Ruach on all occasions. With all kinds of prayer and requests, with this in mind, keep alert with perseverance and supplication for all the Kedoshim, the Holy Ones. Ephesians 6 is the epitome of the definition of the call to holiness. The book of Ephesians is the epitome of the definition of the call to sanctification. This season is not a season for us to waste because we don't have very many of these seasons left. There's a world around us that is hungry for the Lord and they don't even know it. Right now, you and I, our stomachs are starting to grumble because we've went 12 hours without a meal. Life goes on. There's people out there that have spent their entire life with their bellies grumbling for the presence of the Lord. And the Lord has uniquely positioned each and every one of us in this world, in this area, in this community that we live in to feed them. The call that Peter received, feed my sheep, is a call for you and me as well. Their bellies are grumbling. Today, as we move through the rest of Yom Kippur in preparation for breakfast tonight, I want to encourage you, as you feel your belly grumble with hunger, ask the Lord to give you the hunger for others to give you the hunger for seeing salvation. Ask the Lord to give you the nourishment that their hunger has a longing for. Ask the Lord to give you the confidence, the boldness, the power and leading of His Ruach to meet them where they are and feed them. If we do what this says, if we pray in the Ruach on every occasion, We have no choice but for the Ruach to lead us. It's just all there is to it. We cry out all the time, Spirit, lead me. Lead me where you would have me go. How about we start following? He's been leading for 2,000 years. How about we get on board and we follow? How about we get our heads out our butts and we do what the Lord's called us to do? I want to encourage you today. Yom Kippur is a day of atonement. It's a day of about focusing on aligning our lives with the Lord. It's also, I believe, a day for us as believers to align our lives with the will of God, to use us to influence and empower others for the kingdom of Messiah. Sukkot will come around in a couple of days. We will finish this series up with a uh, couple of messages on the call to kingdom living. <clears throat> you don't want to miss it. Bottom line, you don't want to miss it. 
We talk about kingdom living all the time in the body. As a matter of fact, I think it's a fad word right now in the body of Messiah. You can't find a YouTube video with a preacher on it that's not talking about being the kingdom, living the kingdom. This is it's not my kingdom, it's God's kingdom and whatever. We have no clue what in the world we're talking about when it comes to that. It's time for us to live in his kingdom. It's time for us to be citizens of his kingdom as we are supposed to be. Sukkot, I think, is a perfect time to talk about that because we focus on the temporal reality of this world and the fact that his presence wants to reside in us so that others can find their way into his kingdom. So I encourage you, seek his face on holiness. Seek his heart on holiness. Don't let this season and this call fade away because this is what's going to make it or break it for us being used by God in the days to come. Being in his spirit day in and day out is going to be what makes it or breaks it for us when the sword's put to our neck and we're commanded to either denounce God or die. Days are coming. Things are about to get real. I don't mean to be an alarmist or to scare nobody, but it's time that we forget about what we're afraid of when we focus on what God has put us here for. It's time that we live that revival we've been longing for for so long. It's not something that we've got to search for or hunt for or be in just the right location. We don't have to look for the longitude and latitude and the GPS coordinates to find it. We are it, guys. It's there. Are you hungry for it? Are you hungry for seeing the lost come to salvation? Are you hungry for seeing the Lord work through you? Are you hungry for seeing your life be different than what it was yesterday? so that others' lives are different than what they've always been? Are you ready to see the Lord work in new and powerful ways? Because there's so much ahead of us. We're running out of time, but there's so much work ahead of us. The fields are ripe and ready for the harvest. We have to be its workers. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you. We adore you. Father, I thank you for those swift kicks in the rear end sometimes. Father, I thank you for awakening us to the reality of what you desire for our hearts and our lives. Father, I thank you for never giving up on us, for never forsaking us, even though we have forsaken you over and over and over again. Father, I thank you for your love and your mercy, which is renewed day in and day out. And I ask you, Lord, to continue to draw us into your presence. Continue to use us for the good and the might and the glory of your kingdom. Continue to use us that others might come to know you. Continue to work your work of righteousness and holiness in our lives. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. Amen.